Hello and welcome to the next episode of our James Bond Marathon on the Auto Archives podcast with me, Jack Manton. This time, guest Tom Drake and I dissect the second James Bond movie in the franchise, From Russia With Love. We discuss the introduction of Bond's gadgets, its brutal fight scenes, share some movie trivia and talk about the sad news of the passing of the greatest James Bond, Sean Connery. As before, we conclude with our overall rating and decide where it stacks against the previous film, Doctor No. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Hi Tom, welcome back for the second episode. How are we doing? Hello, yes, very good, thank you, very good. Good, good. All right, so today we're obviously going to talk about the second Bond film from Russia with Love, but before we do, we'll just quickly talk about the um, the pressing news of the recent passing of Sean Connery over the weekend. I know. Um, yeah. How, firstly, how did you find out? I think we found out kind of at the same time, because I remember trying to message yeah. you you know as we're doing this um and i could see you were already typing to me at the same time so we seem to have <laughs> been on the same wavelength yeah i just um i got the bbc news pop-up same as you i think you sent me the screenshot of yours um yeah it just popped up and i yeah took me took me by surprise massively i, just, I always was... think, um, i always think of connery i never think of him as an old man like, I'd never say he's 80. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever. 90, yeah. 90, I just, yeah. I just yeah. always assumed he'd be, he'd live forever, as he's the first yeah. James Bond. He just, he would never die. But, yeah, um, yeah it's such know, a shame. Because I, um, I re-watch so many of his films that he's a young guy in. It's, um... Yeah, I just you see so much more of him as a as a young man rather than a rather than a ninety year old. Yeah, that's true because like towards the end of his career, he kind of did few and far between movies. I think he actually packed it in around twenty thirteen, and just I think he had. A, I remember reading it on the back of you know BBC News stories over the weekend that he just had a bad experience on a film. I can't remember what exactly it was, and then just packed it in from twenty thirteen. So. Um, kept it going pretty much to the end well near enough to the end so um yeah um it's a weird one for me because i was watching from russia with love as i'd found out so i was obviously preparing for this episode and so i'm, I'm literally looking on down at my phone to see he's passed away to look up to see he's on screen and like you know but um playing the seminal role of his his career which was very surreal but um yeah. outside of james really, bond though really he's had sad. some sorry what was that yeah, very sad, really sad news. Yeah, just um, ruined the weekend. That and lockdown was like the double barrel shotgun to the <laughs> face of news. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which is which is not great. But outside of um, outside of James Bond, what other films stick out for you as you know seminal Sean Connery films? <laughs> I don't know if you can say seminal, but I really like the film Entrapment. <laughs> I've not seen Entrapment. Is that the one with Catherine Zeta-Jones? Yeah. 
and actually I watched it recently weirdly it was on tv I think um I just I noticed it was on started watching it 20 minutes in and just um yeah just couldn't turn it off I've seen it weirdly like you know some of those films that just you know they're not very good um yeah but they just always seem to be on and you seem to have seen it far too many times that that's entrapment for me that's kind of like the guilty pl- the guilty pleasure of, of his films yeah yeah no i do yeah that's that's probably for me is the other most watched <laughs> connery film nice i think we were saying as well like he he seems to be he seems to be one of the only few people maybe the only actor that can get away with keeping a scottish accent even though he's not playing a scottish person so, so like yeah. we were saying about in Highlander, he's supposed to be Egyptian or something, but like that does not come across at all. And even in um, Untouchables, um, I think he's supposed to be an October. Irish cop. Yeah, yeah. And Hunt for Red yeah. October as well. Yeah, Russian, isn't he? <laughs> exactly. But he's just like fuck, fuck that. I'll just keep my Scottish accent. Thanks. <laughs> he just never really in character, but for some reason, it just adds to him as a as an actor. It doesn't it doesn't spoil it um, the viewing yeah. really. Just like fucking I think, um, I think it was quite a few years. Um, it was probably quite recently, actually, that I realised that Hunt for Red October, he wasn't meant to be Scottish. <laughs> just because <laughs> I, I watched it, I must have watched it when I was quite young. And yeah, just never even, that thought never even crossed my mind. But of course it's a Scottish commander of a sub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so he's been, been in quite a few good films. So it's such a... It's such a shame. I know Roger Moore's passed and he's the first Bond to have passed away, unfortunately. But um, for me, obviously, Connery, I don't know about you, but he he is James Bond. He's the, he's the first official Bond and he will always be the greatest for me. But um, yeah, such a sad time. But I guess we'll live, we'll keep his memory alive by now talking about one of his films. Um, yeah. So I know you watched, I know you watched From Russia With Love maybe a week or so ago i know you were kind of hot off the heels of dr no and sort of getting straight into the swing of it so you've you've yeah. kind of sat with it longer than me i watched it over the weekend so if we just go straight into it what what do you how do you where do you stand with from Russia with love so yeah I, I watched it immediately after dr no um right i think yeah probably i think it actually just clicked straight onto it um and I watched the first half straight, straight after. Um, I think the first, my first feeling was that it felt much newer than Doctor No. Okay. Even though it was only released a year after, it just, mm. um, it did feel newer. I don't know whether the recording equipment or whatever was slightly better, but it did feel um, like a more modern film. Um, and I... I liked it. I think there's a there's a lot there's a lot in there. Um, there's a lot of kind of it builds on those those bondisms that that make the whole um, the whole of Bond great. Um, it's the first you know he has gadgets in this film, which yes. for me is just like finally yes, get the gadgets in, um, and they're they're classic Bond gadgets as well, aren't they? Well, let's, let's go in. Let's start go into that now, then, because this is the first time that Desmond Llewellyn starts as Q as, as well. So, in the first yeah. Doctor No, I think it is Q, but it's not. It's not the actor that then you know becomes no, no. Q from pretty much. I think all the way up to like World is Not Enough, 
the Pierce Brosnan one. So he's in it pretty much yeah. every film. And this is the first time we meet him. And it's like you said, it's the first time where gadgets come into a come into play and then become a, a running theme throughout his film. So I I made a few notes on the ones that were in this, and obviously it's the briefcase is kind of pretty much the big gadget, right? And yeah. then within that, he's got a, a, like a side knife and a fold-up sniper, and then he's got the tear gas canister yeah. inside. Um, and I think, like you said, it's it's kind of one of the more popular gadgets. I think that it's one of those ones as well where it, it starts that whole thing of if Q is going to show you the gadget, that means you're going to use every single part of this um, <laughs> in the, in the film at some point. It's just it's just where, knowing when that's going to happen, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, so I thought that was a good. It was, I think, for me, the first thing, the uh, first few things I realised is, firstly, it was weird that I, for some reason, I thought the the theme tune was actually part of the intro as well, and it's just an instrumental. Um, yeah, it wasn't yeah, the actual. I, um, yeah, I, I thought that as well. It's because um, it, it only plays at the end, doesn't it? The actual full theme. Um, yeah, the full. Th I remember there's a bit. Which we'll go again quickly into is um, there's a it's on the radio as well near the start of the film, so that was one thing I, I noted as well. There's a few which I never picked up on until now. There's a few references to Doctor No, or or certainly things that if you watch Doctor No, you would appreciate slightly that subtle thing. So Sylvia Trench comes back. She's the she's yeah. the woman at the start that they're in the like the gondola on. And in the background, there's the theme tune for From Russia With Love playing on the radio. And um, I didn't notice that. Yeah, so it's only briefly, but yeah, like the initial title sequence is just the instrumental. So it's not until I think the next film, Goldfinger, where the full theme tune or majority of the theme tunes actually played over the title sequence. So I didn't I didn't pick up on that until this time yeah, around. I, I do. I I really like the theme um, from From Russia With Love. It's it's not one of the themes that really um, sticks in your head, and you can kind of you, you'd probably not list it if you were mm. if you were talking about themes. I don't I don't think you did in your podcast, but no, it is the the beginning opening theme is really cool, and it uses the kind of classic Bond theme, and it's a really good it's a really good theme tune in the kind of typical theme way, and then the actual from Russia with Love theme. I think it's great. Matt Munro is he's got such a, a iconic, brilliant voice, and it just sort of it's perfect for the era and the, the type of film. And it says from Russia with love in it. It's it's a better theme than I gave it credit for ever before, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's not one of the more popular theme tunes. It's definitely a good it's it's a good song to have a slow dance to, is what I was thinking of when I was watching it. It's yeah. a kind of a slow slow jam it doesn't really have the punch of some of the other films um i mean even like dr no which is the theme tune it's a bit more impactful it's a bit more of a slow swing sort of tune isn't it like it reminded me of sort of someone like frank sinatra would sing it as well um yeah very it's very cool yeah i think yeah it's like a sweeping orchestral piece isn't it but um um yeah so yeah definitely not one of the it doesn't. It's not one that springs to mind straight away if someone says Bond themes, but it's still it's still up there as one of the better ones. Um, a few, yeah. another few things I made a note of is it started to see the um, 
relationship between him and money penny sort of builds a bit more as well from from dr no um they're a bit more intimate i think in this one or like their sort of flirtishness um yeah definitely, yeah it's a bit more apparent in this um but there was also a scene i don't know if you remember it there's a bit where he's james bond i didn't realize so much until recently watching it that he's he's kind of been made to look at it a few times there's the scene where he walks in to the office and he behind the door is m and he throws his hat on on the um hat stand and then he's about to say for my next trick to money penny and he's m's in the room and he just looks like really she sheepish yeah. afterwards and i always thought <laughs> you don't really associate that with him you just he's always cool regardless of who's in the room but in this he's kind of felt like a bit embarrassed <laughs> that was quite funny. yeah i guess i guess there is um i guess there is part of that james bond as the rebellious agent i think that does um that does trickle through i think in in most of the bonds um but yes yeah, more I guess it becomes more serious rebellion rather than them, um, yeah, just just dicking about a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit oh, yeah. more tongue in cheek here, isn't it? Because yeah. I think even he arrives late, and it's kind of like you know, like you said, he's the cheeky chap that just arrives up when he's ready, rather than sort of the militant yeah. guy that's arrives on time and no funny business sort of thing. I think that does happen sort of more later. I think like Daniel Craig comes across more like militant perhaps than sort of yeah connery's not joking about but he's sort of a bit more laid back i guess um the, yeah, the I, next um, go on I was, actually, I was actually thinking recently was was connery the youngest bond i don't know because you know, i'm gonna have to look at that for perhaps the next episode to for know to know for sure but i, I don't know I, I think he was in his mid to late 30s maybe i'm not sure yeah well he would have been um i guess recall filming dr no he must have been 31 so right there you go so 32 not, there yeah so i'm not sure I'm not sure if any of the other actors were actually younger but you, i never i never think of of connery as being the youngest bond but but he does he is um that sort of young sort of early 30s cheeky chap um yeah. kind of living living an amazing life with you know don perignon and fast cars and fast, fast girls and just traveling <laughs> the world it's um it's great being being of a similar age <laughs> yeah true true you can, you can see i can understand why why my dad loved it because yeah he definitely he definitely related and wanted you know he wanted to be bond just as much as i did yeah definitely I think, yeah, that's right. It kind of hits home now where you realise he would have been, yeah, the same age as he was filming these. It's like, oh, I'm yeah. slightly jealous. Um, <laughs> so the next thing I was going to go into was, um, well, actually, I was going to go over quickly the plot because the plot, I'm going to just read this off IMDb because I I can kind of remember it, but they've, they've worded it slightly better. So what I've got here is the evil crime cartel Spectre seeks revenge for the death of its operative Dr. No and sets a trap to lure British agent James Bond to his death. The bait is a Soviet encryption machine called Elector, of which the British Secret Service are desperate to get hold of. So, which I, that was one thing I made a note of is um, how it is kind of a sequel. It's never really a direct sequel, but they kind of, the actions yeah. on the on the on the back of the 
of Doctor No getting killed is kind of leads into this film and how it drives the plot of this film as well. Because yeah, even well, at the you mentioned French. You mentioned Sylvia Trench being back in it as well. It, it did. Yeah. It did seem like a like a an obvious follow on, um, which I think is um, that's quite uncommon in in Bond for yeah. two films to be sort of related. Yeah, definitely. And I think even at the start of the film, which um, I thought was quite good actually, where they've yours you as the viewer just straight into thinking that Sean Connery is basically, you know, try he's trying to stealthily get. Uh, someone else and he, he looks like a, a garden um, and then you, it's not until you realise that it was kind of a training exercise for an uh, assassin and actually yeah. when you it's actually Sean Connery's mask they're basically on the back of Doctor No getting killed they're training people actively training people to seek him out on the back of getting Doc, um, Doctor No getting killed in the first film which um, I, um, I did I, really, I really put enjoyed two that. or two yeah I did yeah I didn't really put sort of two and two together before. I think very much I would have watched them perhaps not in order. And I just treated them as individual things rather than sort of back to back um, story plot points. But yeah, I thought yeah. The, the start was quite interesting as a, oh shit, Bond's dead already. Oh no, wait, it's um, it's a mask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I, I thought the opening team was, was really good. I really liked how it, um, it kind of opens up Spectre to the the scale of the organisation and kind of the um, the it shows their training facility and just kind of how big of an evil organisation it is. Um, very sort of Doctor Evilish. <laughs> yeah. Well, that well, funny you say that because we we do. I don't think his name gets mentioned, or maybe it does briefly, but we we get the introduction to Blofeld as well. Um, and and like you said, it, it's like it's the introduction of of well, it's not the introduction because Spectre is mentioned in the previous one, but you do like you said, see the scale of it and how much of you know how many people are working for this organisation. Yeah, because you you do just get teased with Blofeld, don't you? You you only see his cat and his hand. You don't see anything else. You don't you don't find out his name. Um, no. And yeah, you just you see this kind of. This brilliant evil genius who's um even more kind of evil than dr no was yeah and he's a bit more sort of he can he comes across how intimidating he is based on like you said you don't see his face but it's the reactions of the people in front of him like rosa Klebb, which we'll, we'll come on to in a minute and you know the, the stuff he does that intimidates him so much that you realize how perhaps powerful and scary he is to even people within his own organization i had a slight bit of trivia that i, I watched the documentary on the blu-ray for from Russia of love and found out that the hands of blofeld are actually from uh the dent character from dr no it's the same actor you know the guy that gets shot on the floor yeah that's him he's he plays the hands not the voice because the voice is someone oh, right. else dubbed over but the hands for some reason they got him back to be the, the hand puppet <laughs> the, hand, the hand model for blofeld in this one which was a bit random i don't know um, if that's a i don't know if that's a fall for from grace for that actor i guess he um he went up in the world of um his position inspector but as an acting role, that's probably not a step up. Is it? No, I, I just have a, just like, please just let me be in the next film. I'll do anything. And okay, we need <laughs> yeah. someone to just stroke a cat. Um, okay, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> just, that was his yeah. entry. Um, I was just going to, my next question, I was going to ask you, what do you think of 
the villains and henchmen in this because for me it's not as clear cut as who the villain is compared to say Doctor No where it's, it's, it's definitely him and he's in the title but I think if there is a villain in this it is it is possibly other than Blofer because you don't really see him it's, it's probably Rosa Clegg but she again she's not really in this that much I didn't know what your no. thoughts were on on Cleb and um, Robert Shaw playing uh, Red Grant as the henchman. Yeah, I like I like the um, the classic henchman in it. I think that's a that's a great character. I always enjoy the the Bond henchman. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's quite a few baddies, isn't there, in this? And yeah, you you it does keep you guessing more. I think the interesting thing is that the plot of this film is spelled out to you on a plate right at the beginning it's not um you don't wonder so much maybe they learned that from um from dr no where there wasn't really a plot <laughs> yeah um, and there is there's quite a bit more going on isn't there in the film as well um quite a few more probably more characters um of yeah. of note um but yeah i thought um yeah, I think I think the the characters are are great, and they you can you can see them reflected in later Bonds and other films that they're kind of the very traditional um, angry angry Russian lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I thought I I made a point uh, a note. Sorry that. Um... Is a bit more globe trotting than Doctor No as well, because obviously Doctor No is just set in Jamaica, and here it's in Turkey, uh, Venice, uh, and obviously they go on the the Orient Express that goes through various places as well. So there's a bit more uh, setting changes, I think, than the first film, which then obviously gets uh, exacerbated throughout the franchise, where they're just pretty much every fifteen minutes or so they're in a different country or a different place. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's sort of to grow a bit more you could tell that there's a bit more money thrown at this i think when i watched the documentary it was like they they'd actually got double the budget from the first film and i think you can really? tell with the fact, yeah you can tell that yeah, they, they've thrown more money at it just from the locations perhaps that they that they've um got in this film um i i made a point as well i thought robert shaw was great as the henchman um i thought he was actually quite a good rival for him uh, in this film especially the the one of the high points for me that I've put in this is the fight in the train I think even now that's quite a brutal fight scene yeah but, I've put that I've put the same the same notes as well that, that the fight on the trains is it's a classic bond versus henchman fight isn't it and you um yeah they really they really do lay into each other um yeah they're properly I think it's a really good scene yeah I think so and I think um it's it's not one of those it's not one of those fights as well where you can see oh you know they filmed quite close so they can um you know they're pretending to punch each other it actually looks like that you're watching two blokes fight it out in this tight compact sort of um cabin on the train yeah. um even to the point where they're sort of jumping between rooms and they're like <laughs> the landing on the knocked out uh bond girl that's just lying there <laughs> and they're just like rolling around on top of her. um but yeah, I thought that whole scene and also the tension building just before that of the whole, you know, we as the viewer know at the start that Q's explained about this, or is it talcum powder that's actually tear gas. And if yeah. you open if you open the briefcase in a certain way or the more obvious way, that tear gas just 
goes up. So we as a viewer know that's going to happen. A bond knows that's going to happen. So the whole build up to when Red Grant, the henchman, opens it, you're just like, hurry up, hurry up, so we can get it. Because pretty much up to that scene, Bond's kind of just been done over. The assassins pretty much had him in his sights the whole film. And the bit, I'm not going to lie, it did make me laugh a bit, where the, the henchman's like, oh, yeah, if you just look at this map, and Bond's like, oh, yeah, I see what you mean. He looks like closer and closer. <laughs> and it just cracks him on the head and knocks him out. I was like, this is the most obvious thing, <laughs> considering he's dubious <laughs> about him beforehand. Yeah, I was just like, oh, okay. He took his eye off the ball a bit too much there. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that, that kind of beating the shit out of Bond and then he he does manage to, to overwhelm him in the end, that becomes a, a classic, doesn't it, throughout mm throughout bonds um and the the tear gas that made it did make me laugh though because it goes off in a tiny carriage and it would have just completely knocked them both out <laughs> yeah exactly it was almost like it just they just needed a distraction in the script so they thought i'll oh, we'll put this in but yeah you're right because yeah. when they mentioned it was tear gas i just from memory before this i just thought it was smoke for some reason when they mentioned it was tear gas i thought yeah you'd both be knackered You'd both just be like blind and just swinging for swinging for air, um, but hey, it's a Bond film. We just have to, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just use your that, imagination. Um, it's, it's good actually that that fight is at a point in the film where you you don't actually know who's going to ultimately win the fight because mm. there's enough time for for Bond to be taken hostage or whatever. So so actually rewatching it, I I didn't remember the film particularly well. So. So that fight for me was was so good because I didn't actually know whether Bond would ultimately um, kill him. <laughs> I I yeah I I agree. That's probably the most tense scene in it. I I actually think for me, this is probably the standout bit of the whole film. I think up until that point, it's a bit for me. It's a bit slow. They do have. I think it's the middle. The middle is where it dips and is a bit of a letdown for me. I think the gypsy fight scene isn't that great i, I was gonna was like, yeah i've got a question on my notes so okay what, what, did you, what did you think of the, the gypsy girls cat fight i, just, I <laughs> thought it was bizarre really i don't yeah i don't really understand why it happened or what it added to the film no i i feel the exact same it was almost like i, I was trying to think back so it was like they were trying to cover or take cover from uh something that happened previously i think it, he'd just been bombed in his office the um the Turkish guy with the moustache. I can't remember yeah. his name. I think it's Karim or something. Yeah, and, um, Yeah, and uh, so they were sort of uh, going into hiding and then decided to just hang out at this gypsy camp. And then they were like, oh, yeah, these these you've just, just come in time. These two gypsy women are going to fight. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then it was just kind of like, yeah, get on with it. And then, and then it just obviously goes into this whole sort of shootout, which... It's a bit, I'm not going to lie, it's a bit shit. Um, yeah. There's a few bits were quite good where they've got the classic, you know, guy gets shot off high, off a high like lot, uh, building or something like that and does that, that classic cowboy front flip onto, you know, a, a, a soft landing out of shot. And I thought those things are quite cool. But there's literally a bit where, like, there's a few bits where I think Bond picks up this big kind of machete knife and he's literally just chopping ropes and like things are like it, it things just like start rolling down hills and knocking people out 
it's yeah, just it's like, a bit circus, isn't it? It's a bit, it's a bit circusy, yeah. And then Bond's kind of he doesn't take any cover. He just kind of walks around with his gun and just shoots people at random. And I just think you don't seem very professional here. He's just walking around like a almost like Terminator yeah. and just shooting people one shot <laughs> and dodging every bullet without even the effort. And I just thought, yeah, this is a bit, this is a bit crap. Um, yeah, there's another, there's another scene actually, which I think is quite poor, where um, the the baddies climbing out of the the window of that building and. Kerim assassinates him with that. Oh yeah, with, yeah. with a rifle that he he rests on James Bond's shoulder, and and Bond's like, your your arm's knackered. You won't you won't hit him. You've only got one chance. Let me do it. And he says, no, I have to. So Bond's like, oh yeah, all right then. Um, <laughs> rest on my shoulder and and shoot this guy. <laughs> I just I don't. I don't think it's a particularly good scene, although it's quite uh, yeah. an iconic scene, and it's it's actually got my favourite one-liner of the um, of the whole movie, though, which is because <laughs> he climbs out, doesn't he? There's a massive picture of a woman on the side side of the building. That's it. And he says she should have kept her mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> Classic, love that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so good. Um, but yeah, I, I, that scene as well stood out as a bit of a like almost cringy kind of like okay just just get on with it and um yeah i think it is quite an iconic shot as well because i remember seeing like for some of the, or a lot of the stills of this film and on the posters and stuff that seems to be that scene where he's resting the, the gun on bond is a, is there a lot but it's not a a standout scene that that warrants that attention i don't think but um no and i think that's yeah i think that's why i, I sort of questioned it so much because because it is one of the most memorable scenes in the film, probably that and the and the train. Yeah, for me, that's they're probably the only two bits I really remembered of the whole film. Yeah, and definitely. Yeah, it was um, it's a bit naff. <laughs> what, what do you think of Rosa Klebb as a character? Do you think she's a good villain? I mean, for me, she's not even close to being any of the top villains. Although, does have I, I made a I made a quick note of. I loved her interview technique for um, for Red Grant. So she comes down in a helicopter right at the start of the film. That Red Grant's getting a massage by some tart, and then she he, she walks over. He stands up like militant, like after take, getting attention, and then walks around him to kind of inspect him as an assassin. puts on some <laughs> puts some brass knucks on and punches him in the gut as hard as she could, and he he doesn't react. And then she goes. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, send him over in, in 24 hours. I was like, is that it? Is that all it takes? Yeah. You just have to take a gut yeah. punch from this pint-sized German <laughs> like villain. I just thought that was quite funny. But yeah, what did you what do you think of her as a as a villain in the film? I like I like the character, the the like angry, angry Russian military military woman. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, <laughs> I think I prefer the the idea of the character in my head. I think is is better than the reality. Yeah, there's also, there's another scene as well. Where I don't know if you remember it. She we haven't even spoke about the Bond girl, but we will in a moment. 
um, there's a scene where she meets up with the Bond girl and she puts these glasses on. I don't know if you remember this scene. And they're the kind of glasses, the funny glasses that make you, you used to wear as a kid that you couldn't see properly and then make you go dizzy. So she used to have this really serious question time with this, with the Bond girl. It's kind of like an interview process, isn't it? And I just yeah. couldn't laugh because she's just got these like classic bog eyes with these dumb glasses. <laughs> it's such a shame because though you're right, I, I kind of like her, the concept of her, this angry young, uh, small woman who's who's trying to, you know, out for Bond and who's kind of running the show on behalf of Blofeld in this. But she just doesn't, there's, there's too many things to laugh at for me to, yeah. to appreciate her as a villain compared to even Dr. No, who perhaps wasn't isn't iconic but has a lot of the traits that feed into iconic bond villains later down the line you know very well spoken uh, genius um you know smart get up and all this stuff but she doesn't quite i mean the one thing i would say that is actually iconic with her is the um the knife in the shoe that whole thing towards the end yeah um and that that's good initially but the note, I, the note I've made about the fight scene with him and Bond at the end is it's kind of crap because she's defeated by a chair. Um, <laughs> they basically, within seconds, Connery's just pushing her back with a t- chair. I've made a note. It's like it's like Sean Connery was the lion tamer and was just like pushing the chair against Rosa Claire against the against the wall, and and that was pretty much it. And then uh, the Bond girl shoots her. Yeah, like, what, yeah that's not the big impact fight scene I would expect from the villain. If anything, no. I would kind of, I wished it was that happened earlier and and somehow the, the fight on the train was the final fight that, that finished the film. Um, yeah, very, it was very lacklustre. And, and just how obvious it was that Tatiana and Bond were kind of having a thing and she she was no longer on on her side that was it was so blatantly obvious that but she just kind of walks in the door yeah go on grab that and get out and then <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's, yeah it's and... all a bit it's sort of like it, it felt a bit slightly like oh we need to tie this up how can we do it and it they this is what they came up with but it just wasn't it wasn't the big impact you know, big explosion, big fight scene that that these films then tend to have. Um, no, I think it could have been it could have been smarter. I think that they could have they could have played out that scene in a different way. Um, I don't know, I don't know how, but yeah. anything other than that, <laughs> anything yeah, exactly. other than a chair, I think exactly because she not, was just taken down by a chair. That's all it took. Yeah, <laughs> she, she whips the knife yeah. shoe out. And it's like, okay, let me just get the chair. And she's, it's the funny thing that she's flailing her leg with the knife out. And it's not even close because you've got the, you know, the however tall, like Sean Connery against the mid, the midget villain. <laughs> it's just, it's just kind of comical when I'm saying it out loud, um, fending yeah. him off with the chair. That's, that's, it's quite funny. Yeah, I think um, I, I didn't really, I didn't appreciate just how crap that scene actually was, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit sort of uh, okay um what did you think of the bond girl on this she's the the classic weak scared woman who just instantly falls in love with bond isn't she 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, she's just not memorable for me. Um, no. In th- even even now, it's either it's either Tanya or Tatiana or something like that. Um, it yeah, doesn't spring to mind. Whereas, like when you sort of talk to know, I know Honey Rider straight away. She's just, I mean, yeah, she was the first one, but you you come into this and it's just I don't know. She's it's kind of she's kind of been set up. She's there to set up Bond, isn't she? But she doesn't fully know what's going on. And like you said, she does kind of just fall head over heels in kind of straight away and I know that is a kind of a thing with the Bond films as well but there's no um, one thing I thought on this one more so than over Doctor No is they just seem to be sort of lovey-dovey without anything really happening whereas with like Honey Rider in in Doctor No they've kind of gone through this whole thing together where they're actively being chased and shot at by you know, and you've even got the bloody flaming dragon, the dragon scene as well. So they've gone through a kind of a life and death yeah. situation. Whereas in this, they kind of go from zero to like lovers with no real thing to to bring that together. Um, it all seems a bit forced for me. Um, yeah, and it's um because to begin with, you kind of you kind of feel like, well, yeah, he she's. That's that's her role in this is to is to try and make him fall in love with me, and and you you think that's kind of her playing that part for a while, but then it it turns out that well, hang on, actually, no, she has actually fallen in love with him, but for no real reason, and and even when he he confronts her and beats her up a bit. She's still she's still in love with him. <laughs> yeah. When actually, you know, her her savior, the the um the henchman's in there and, and could save her. She's still for some reason actually chosen Bond and in love with him for for apparently no reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, uh, I think she, she's a plot device, isn't she? She yeah. she's the the whole um the whole plot, the double agent thing, trying to trick the the tricker and she's she's just a plot device for that and yeah she yeah. plays that character quite well but she doesn't in her own right doesn't really add anything does she no i don't think so i think it is one of the less one of the weaker bond girl appearances for me it doesn't really hold there's not you know there's not one scene with her that that stood out either like if you think again of dr no you've got her coming out of the sea and the whole um the bikini outfit I guess (laughs) um yeah but in this she's not got anything that stands out and goes there's not that one scene as well where she comes across quite powerful or intimidated or anything like that she's just kind of window dressing for the film um but doesn't like you said doesn't really add any value yeah I think in Doctor No though Honey Rider doesn't she doesn't really have much of a purpose either I think I think it's in later bonds that you actually start to get a woman character who who is the attractive but also is is a, is a, a character in their own right. Um, yeah. We haven't really had that yet in the first two, have we? Not really. I, I, I see your point with the first one. I think she, in 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 Doctor No, Honey Rider is very much like the innocent bystander that just gets caught up in it. Um, whereas in this, she's kind of been actively part of a. Well, actually, she's not fully part of this this organisation, but she's being used as a puppet to kind of lure 
to bait uh, James Bond in. Um, but she just comes across as kind of this secretary that just just goes goes where she's told. Um, yeah, but she's meant really to be a Russian a Russian agent, isn't she? She still yeah, it's like defected. But but she's but you can't imagine Russia hiring her because she's crap. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not a not yeah. a good point for me. Um, no. What did you think of the overall sort of towards the end? Because they, outside of the the Rosa Klebb villain fight, there's the whole segment with the helicopter, which I thought was wasn't bad. And they've got the scene with the boat scene as well, where they're trying to get yeah. away. Um, yeah, so, what did you think of all those bits. Yeah, because there's no there's no car chase in this in this no. bond. Um, yeah, cars don't really play a play a part. You see him in his in his car, um, with Trench at, at the beginning. But apart from that, there is no car. But there's it's a pretty decent boat boat chase, isn't it? Um, yeah. Although, yeah. although it is it's far too easy. There's it's that classic bond. I think of oh look, there's there's a load of barrels of fuel on this boat. Um, that we can easily kick over the side and then all the baddies have stopped over the top of all these barrels of fuel and we blow them up and then and then they're all dead and we can crack on <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's, exactly it's just it's just a bit too simple i think but yeah um maybe it's maybe sign of the times that that making um impressive stunts was look good was um was difficult and that was yeah. probably quite impressive at the time big big explosions and boat chases and all the rest of it 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 probably wasn't commonplace for cinema at that time yeah i think i think that's a good point i think i think that would have been a more a, a more impactful ending if anything to end on this big explosion rather than the midget chase uh <laughs> the midget the midget chair fight <laughs> at the end which is just anticlimactic but um yeah i, I thought the same where it's kind of like the villains are like, huh, what are these barrels just bobbing up and down in the sea for? <laughs> then we just get a closer look, bang! And then just, they all get caught yeah. up in flames. Actually, I did think that the, the scenes where they're obviously got the stuntmen covered in flames and jumping off the boats and stuff was quite cool, even for the time. Because yeah. you makes you think, you know, there's no there's no special effects. It's very much, I think these people are actually on fire. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. I thought that bit was quite... <laughs> Yeah, the guys in flame suits who have had petrol chucked on top of them and then yeah. set alight. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like yeah, crack on. Um, that would just remind me now because I, I messaged you as well because I was watching the, the documentary as well, and I think some of the making of stories were actually more exciting than elements of this film. So um, there was one one of the stories was um, Terence Young, the director, was I think he was out on a on a helicopter to kind of just get um, a bird's eye view of the scenes and stuff. And um, what they said in the documentary is that the, the helicopter kind of just packed up as they were going, um, as they literally took off and they were kind of hovering in the air and it just packed up and it fell back into the sea. And um, obviously, you know, what helicopters are like, they've got those, the glass doors. And apparently because they had um, the camera bolted onto the left side, they can only get out of one side. So as this helicopter's sinking, they're trying to like, frantically all get out of this helicopter. Oh, um, it's just like quite a daunting and scary uh, thing to yeah. have gone through. But um, the other one was um, 
that Karim actor, the um, the the Turkish guy with the moustache, is the only way I can explain him. Um, yeah, it's quite sad actually. I didn't realise it. He was really ill during filming, um, to the point that in some scenes, out of shot, people are actively holding him up. I think he had really bad like uh, former cancer, which which I think credit to him, you you don't notice that it doesn't come across in the film that he's no. you know on his last legs unfortunately. Um, which I thought that was quite a touching thing that they mentioned that, that he was basically during filming, he was given a, a terminal diagnosis and he was like, well, I'm going to finish the film because I want to, um, he wants to finish the film. So he leaves his family some money. And I thought that was quite a, quite a uh -huh. touching thing, but, um, yeah. but it doesn't come across whatsoever that he's been, you know, actively no, kind of helped through the film, which I thought was, was good of him. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. No, it is quite, yeah, it was a bit of a downbeat moment in the documentary, I can't lie. Um, have you got something, any other... Something more, something more upbeat then. Um, yeah, go on. <laughs> the bit at the end with the helicopter, when yeah. they're, they're chasing Bond with a helicopter, they've got guns and they've got grenades, but they're trying to run him over with a helicopter. I just... <laughs> I don't get it, like... Chuck a grenade at him, shoot him with bullets. Don't try and hit into him with a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, I know. And um, yeah, because they're just trying to basically get him at the bottom of the helicopter and just he just dives <laughs> out the way each time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he just happily just sits, like Bond sits in that little alcove of rocks yeah. and then gets his little fold away sniper out. So there you go. Yeah. There's one, one other gadget ticked off the list that was mentioned at the start. <laughs> Um, and then bang I love, I do love that though he shoots him in the arm and goes oh shit I've just caught the grenade bang <laughs> just the helicopter gets again it's classic where Bond's on the back foot for 90% of that fight and then just that one uses his wits on the last 10% yeah. and win, wins the day so I thought actually that was that was that was quite a good moment they, what, yeah I think the yeah the end of that scene is is better than they didn't need to to try and run him over with the helicopter they're just yeah it's just stupid but but i guess you got some cool helicopter scenes in it which um, yeah. again probably in in 63 was um a lot more impressive than than it is now some kind of yeah true. you know trick trick helicopter pilotry yeah yeah that's true um have you got any other points those are all the points i had anyway against the film is there anything you wanted to add uh no i think that's yeah, I think that was everything for me. Okay, so moving on to the rating then, what where what would you give this out of 10 first? And obviously I was going to say where where would you put this to Dr. No, but there's only one of two places anyway. So um, yeah, what's your overall yeah. score, of, score of From Russia With Love? I'm giving this a seven. Yep, okay. And I gave, I gave Dr. No an eight. Um, after I did up it, and I'm glad I did after after sitting on it for even longer. I'm glad yeah. I've given Doctor No an eight. Um, but yeah, I think this is a it's a it's a high seven. It's got I like I like the plot. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a good film. Seven. I've I've also given it a seven, but I would lean more towards a lower seven for me. Um, I think there's some. The theme tune's good. Um, the introduction of Blofeld is interesting as well because we know where that leads to. Um, Connery, I, to be fair, 
we haven't really spoken about Connery in this, but he he is more of the same. But I don't mean that in a bad way. He's just he is just that that presence that Bond has and Connery has as an actor anyway. That he's just throughout his Bond films anyway. That he's just it's kind of a given. I think that's probably why we haven't talked about him as much in this. But he's still got the calm, the cool, calm, collected attitude. He's still got the great one-liners as well. I I made a point as well about the um, uh, the fight scene with Cleb at the end after he she gets shot and after she's been frantically kicking at him. She he says um, she still she got her kicks and I thought yeah, that's another great another great line just to throw in at yeah. the, to make to make up for the terrible fight scene. I was like yeah that's that's one me back over again. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we forget to mention him as as much in this, but he is still. I think it's because we both know he's fantastic as anyway. It's a kind of a given, I think. Um, I think the fight scene, the big, the big draw for me in this is the is the fight scene in the train. And I think actually outside of Connery, the it's um Robert Shaw as Red Grant as the henchman that steals the show in this. Um he's quite sort of quiet for majority of the film, but he is a formidable presence that is there throughout as kind of Bond's parallel in you know yeah i agree yeah um stature and uh aggressiveness and all those things so yeah i i've also given it a seven out of ten but it's very much a, a low out of uh, a low seven sorry um i think i think the um i think this film could be remade and it'd be a brilliant film i think i think yeah i think you're right i think that's a good shout i think the plot itself could still be um would you still set it in the same sort of era or would you modernise it? I think it could be modernised. Um, yeah, I think so. And yeah, I, I do think it is, it's one of the weaker bonds of, of the Connery era. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it, it could be, it's a, it's a good book. Um, yeah. It's got some. It's got some I redeeming think, factors. It's got. It's got lots of things that do, that make future bonds better. They yeah. they do build on each other, don't they? Um, yeah, I, I agree, and that, that's yeah, going to feed in. I think to the episode we're both looking forward to, which is um, Goldfinger on the next one. Um, yeah, I've got plenty to say on that one, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think a modernised from Ashwood Love would actually be quite well. I, I I don't know what they'd use instead of a. The knife shoe it might be like a knife iphone or something it's <laughs> just like yeah. a flip a flip knife iphone that could work as a as a gadget the villains use but i don't know but um yeah it's not one of the um it's not one of the classic bonds is it i don't think no I, I, it's I, not I for me i don't know if anyone would say it's their favorite bond film no i don't think so i think there are at least a handful that are uh, that are more superior to this one, definitely. Cool. Okay. Right. Great. Another great chat on that one. Um, so seven out of yeah. ten for both of us. So that's behind Doctor No. So I'm 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 ranking these as we go for both of us because we've got separate lists. But I think at the minute we're pretty much the same ranking order for the only yeah. two that we've discussed so far. Um, but yeah. So we'll get you on for next one so I haven't watched Goldfinger yet I know that you have I have um, I might watch it again <laughs> okay nice okay but yeah I'm very eager to um, discuss that one so thanks again for your time Tom and we'll get you on yeah, for the next much. episode where we talk about Goldfinger cool great stuff cheers mate speak to you soon